Welcome to this broadcast of Truth For Today, sponsored by Sun City West Christian Church in Sun City West, Arizona. I'm your host, Kai Repsold, and today we will continue our study of the book of Acts, which I have uh, subtitled, The Spreading of the Gospel. We will be in Acts chapter 18 and into chapter 19 during this broadcast. But before we start, let's have a word of prayer. Lord, we thank you that we have a place to meet. We thank you that we live in a country where, to date, we are not persecuted for meeting to study your word. We thank you that you have inspired through the Holy Spirit men of old to write down your revelation to be passed on to us. We thank you for the diligence of the people who copied so carefully and guarded uh, those copies of your word, so that today we have confidence that what we what we read today is what you inspired, and that it reveals to us the truth about you. And we thank you too for the ministry of the Holy Spirit, who takes that truth, reveals it to us, and also shows it how to put it into practice as we live our lives so that so that uh, your name will be honored and uh, and respected and that more people will come to know that you are the Messiah Amen so Acts chapter 18, um, starting with verse 12. Now, last time we met, uh, we were discussing uh, the ministry that Paul was having in the city of Corinth in Greece. And It was a successful ministry. In fact, he spent a great deal of time in the city of Corinth, a year and six months, teaching the word of God among them. And the church was growing, both in numbers and in spiritual maturity. But whenever there is ministry that is succeeding for what God wants to see happen, you can be sure that the adversary will stir up trouble to try to prevent God's people from doing the work that God wants done. And that's just what happened here. So, starting at verse 12, but while Gallio was proconsul, of Achaia, 
the Jews with one accord rose up against Paul and brought him before the judgment seat, saying, This man persuades men to worship God contrary to the law. But when Paul was about to open his mouth, Gallio said to the Jews, If it were a matter of wrong or of a vicious crime, O Jews, it would be reasonable for me to put up with you. But if there are questions about words and names and your own law, look after it yourselves. I am unwilling to be a judge of these matters. And he drove them away from the judgment seat. And they all took hold of Sosthenes, the leader of the synagogue, and began beating him in front of the judgment seat. But Gallio was not concerned about any of these things. Paul, having remained many days longer, took leave of the brethren and put out to sea for Syria. And with him were Priscilla and Aquila. In, in Cancrea, he had his hair cut, for he was keeping a bow. They came to Ephesus, and he left them there. Now he himself entered the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. When they asked him to stay for a longer time, he did not consent, but taking leave of them and saying, I will return to you again if God wills. He set sail from Ephesus. When he had landed at Caesarea, he went up and greeted the church and went down to Antioch. The Jews rose up and brought Paul before the governor of the province because Corinth was the provincial capital. And the governor, whose name was Gallio, um, was a proconsul. He was a very senior person. Proconsul means that he had served as consul of Rome. And he was in his tour of duty, so to speak, after having been consul. Consul is the most senior magisterial position in the Roman government. He would be like being president of the United States. But in Rome, there were two consuls because Romans um, set up their government so that no one person would have complete magisterial power. But he was proconsul, which meant he was in his tour of duty after having been consul. So he was a very senior government person in the Roman government because, and he was serving in Corinth because Corinth and the the province in which Corinth was the capital was a very important part of the provinces of Rome. So he was no trivial person who they were bringing Paul before. And they accused Paul of teaching men to worship God contrary to the law. And in this case, they're talking about the law of Moses. But he wasn't breaking, or in fact, he wasn't even breaking the Mosaic law. 
And they accused him he was breaking a Roman law, teaching, was what they said, teaching them to do what is not correct for Romans. Because he was teaching about the divinity of Jesus <clears throat> as the Messiah. Well, Gallio was no, uh, he was no Pontius Pilate. He, did, he had this crowd of Jews causing trouble, causing a big stir, but he was impartial and objective and recognized that they had no case because Paul and his ministry team had not broken any Roman laws. So he dismisses the case, and he used force, probably legionnaires, to drive the Jews away from the judgment seat. Well, the Jews were so enraged because they could not get their way. And they had no legal argument, which Gallio told them. And they were so enraged that they attacked and beat the leader of, the, of their own synagogue in front of the judgment seat. Uh, note, Sosthenes is the name of the leader of the synagogue. And we, we were told earlier in this chapter that the leader of the synagogue is Crispus. But Crispus became a Christian, so he was thrust out of the synagogue, and they had elected a new leader of the synagogue who ends up being the brunt of their anger. Now, he was an innocent person. Uh, he, he had done nothing wrong, and yet because they did not get their way through a legal proceeding, they... they acted like a mob and they beat an innocent man. And things like this, where innocent people are injured or killed, are happening with violent rioters in many places across the United States. So you, you see a news item where you see a video of rioting and uh, people attacking innocent bystanders. That is very much like what was happening here uh, in the city of Corinth. Now, Paul stayed some additional time, and then he departed Corinth, and uh, he was returning to the city of Ephesus, which is in uh, what was on the coast of what is modern-day Turkey, across the Aegean Sea from Corinth, which was in Greece. And there he left Aquila and Priscilla. Um, and he stated his intention. Um, he was going to go on, but he stated his intention to the Ephesians that he, he planned to return to Ephesus after he'd done some other things. And he used the phrase if God wills. Now, Paul was a planner. And 
But he recognized that God is sovereign. And even though he makes plans, uh, they might not, uh, because he cannot see what's in the future, only God can see into the future, uh, that uh, even if he plans to return, uh, that not, might not be what God has in mind. And he submitted himself in advance, even after planning, uh, to what God was going to do, even if it was different than what he had planned. So he uses this phrase, if God wills. And in the fourth chapter of the letter of James to the Christians, James uh, goes into this in some detail. But Paul here is an example of what James writes about in the fourth chapter of his letter. So from Ephesus, Paul's sailed south to the coast of Israel, to the city of Caesarea. And then from Caesarea, he, he marches north um, and returns to Syrian Antioch, which is the church that had sent him out on the second missionary journey. Okay, so on to the beginning of Paul's third missionary journey. I'm going to start with verse 23 in Acts chapter 18. And having spent some time there in Antioch, he left and passed successively through Galatian region and Phrygia, strengthening all the disciples. Now a Jew named Apollos, an Alexandrian by birth, an eloquent man came to Ephesus, and he was mighty in the scriptures. This man had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in spirit, he was speaking and teaching accurately the things concerning Jesus, being acquainted only with the baptism of John. And he began to speak out boldly in the synagogue. But when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. And when he wanted to go across to Achaia, the brethren encouraged him and wrote to the disciples to welcome him. And when he had arrived, he greatly helped those who had believed through grace. For he powerfully refuted the Jews in public, demonstrating by the scriptures that Jesus was the Messiah. So, here Paul begins his third missionary journey of record. And we're introduced to Apollos, a Jew who was born in Alexandria, Egypt, because he arrives in Ephesus, and he's, what they say here is mighty in the scriptures. And when you see the word scriptures here in the book of Acts, then do not think of what well, of the book that we use in the Bible, uh, the the scriptures that are referred to in the account of the Book of Acts refer to the Hebrew Bible. So that would be what is called the Old Testament. Uh, but he was mighty in this. What a great testimony to be assigned to any person to be mighty in the scriptures, something toward which 
we as fellow believers should work. And he was accurately teaching the truth about Jesus. So everything he was saying was true. Now, Apollos, in his conversion to following the Lord, had only been exposed to the baptism of John. John, who we call the Baptist, uh, had gone, he was the forerunner for Jesus, and he uh, preached the kingdom of God was coming, calling men to repent, and as a symbol of their repentance to be baptized. That is what Apollos had experienced. Uh, he spoke out boldly in the synagogue, which was mostly to a hostile audience. Remember, um, so Priscilla and Aquila, note here that the wife's name comes first. Uh, unlike what allegations have been made against Christians, uh, the scriptures are no respecters of persons. Uh, in this case, the wife's name is given the place of honor, being the first name mentioned. Um, don't know why. Not that it makes any difference why, just that it is. Uh, Christianity, at least first century Christianity, um, acknowledged the equality of men and women before God, even if they had been assigned different roles. Uh, roles may be different, but standing before God is the same. They hear that what what Apollos is saying, and there's another very important thing that we should take to heart here is that Apollos was boldly speaking out, okay, boldly, uh, confidently, uh, not concerned terribly about the feelings of his listeners only that he tell them the truth and do it in a way supported by the scriptures but in in the fact that he had not been fully instructed concerning baptism became evident to Priscilla and Aquila so they take him aside what a wise thing to do do they, do they accuse him of being incomplete and ignorant in public before everybody? No, no, no. They take him aside. They see that he's zealous for God, God's work, and he is accurate in everything that he says, but his knowledge is incomplete. And their desire is to complete his knowledge. But they do it in private. And in this case, his knowledge is in the baptism into the name of Jesus. And they help him to understand that he gets baptized in the name of Jesus and is continued to be motivated to be working in the ministry of spreading the gospel. 
and he expresses his desire to go over to the province of Achaia, probably to the capital of Achaia, which is Corinth. And the disciples in Ephesus encourage him and support him. They even give him a letter of introduction, another wise action, to the believers who are in Corinth, so that he is he comes with other with their the believers in Ephesus recommendation to the believers in Corinth it's not, instead of a stranger. So instead of being a stranger, Apollos comes with a letter of accreditation, and he's he's accepted by the believers in Corinth, and he greatly helps them, strengthening them as he teaches them uh, out of the Hebrew Bible, and powerfully refuting the Jews using um, the Hebrew Bible, the very scriptures that the Jews hold in high esteem to show that Jesus is the Messiah. So, continuing on in chapter 19, it happened that while Apollos was at Corinth, that Paul passed through the upper country and came to Ephesus and found some disciples. He said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said to him, No, we have not even heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. And he said, Ah, into what then? Were you baptized? And they said, into John's baptism. Paul said, John baptized with the the baptism of repentance, telling people to believe in him who was coming after him. That is, in Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they began speaking with tongues and prophesying. And they were in all about 12 men. And he entered the synagogue and continued speaking out boldly for three months, reasoning and persuading them about the kingdom of God. But when some were becoming hardened and disobedient, speaking evil of the, of the way before the people, he withdrew from them and took away the disciples, reasoning daily in the school of Tyrannus. This took place for two years, so that all who lived in Asia, the province, heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks. So Paul returns to Ephesus shortly after Apollos has gone to Corinth. And he finds some disciples with incomplete information. Perhaps it was Apollos who was teaching them before he had been brought into the the rest of the story, so to speak. Uh, and uh, Paul, in his conversation with these folks, uh, discerns that their knowledge is incomplete. So he asks them if, um, if the Holy Spirit is evident in their lives, and they confess that they don't even know what he's talking about. So he asks further, into what were you baptized? And they explain, well, we were baptized into the baptism of John. And so Paul explains to them, well, yes, the baptism is John was a valid reason for repentance. But John came proclaiming the Messiah, who was to follow after him. And so this Messiah, the one who he was talking about, 
is in fact this person Jesus of Nazareth and explain to them the need to be baptized in the name of Jesus as Jesus himself had commanded. So they were. There was no, uh, once, once they, they learned the truth, they embraced the truth and, uh, and, and were baptized in the name of Jesus. And then Paul laid his hands on them, praying for them. Uh, and then they had experiential evidence of the Holy Spirit's presence in their lives. Um, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. Now, um, that was their experience. We will not argue that they had that experience. And the method for them to, uh, for the Holy Spirit to come strongly into their lives was through this laying on of hands that Paul did. Similar to the laying on of hands that were done by Peter and John for the Samaritans earlier in the book of Acts. But that is not the, there's not only one way for individuals who are believers to experience this evidence of the Holy Spirit's in their life. Uh, nor is there a particular uh, definitive process uh, by which it comes about. Um, in the case of Cornelius, um, um, he had not even been baptized in water and the Holy Spirit came on him. There was no laying on of hands. Uh, it just it just came on them. Um, so uh, don't uh, get wrapped up about the specific circumstances or the specific evidences uh, of the Holy Spirit's power in a believer's life. Paul boldly speaks in the synagogue for three months. Um, some people become Christians and some people, some Jews there, uh, get angry. That seems to be a pattern. Modern Christians need, today, need the same boldness when they make their testimony. Uh, it's not a question of how much you know. It's a question of who you know. Uh, a, Christ, a brand new Christian can speak with boldness about what he knows, even if he doesn't know as much as someone who has studied the scriptures for years and years and years. So how much you know is not the important thing. It's, it's to be confident and speak about what you do know. So when the synagogue refused to listen and began slandering believers in public, Paul shifted his location, took the believing Jews with him, and continued his ministry in Ephesus from the school of Tyrannus uh, for two years. So not only was Paul bold, but he persevered when there was resistance. And there was great blessing when he did so. Boldness and perseverance. And that is the end of the lesson for today. If you are visiting in the Phoenix area, or you live in the Phoenix area and would like to participate in the second half of the lesson, which uh, we do live at Sun City, West Sun City West Christian Church, where we uh, discuss and answer questions about this lesson, you are certainly welcome to join us. Uh, this, this Bible study takes place at Sun City West Christian Church at 930 on Sunday morning. God bless you all.